Microsoft tried to sell Bing to Apple. There's a lot of shakeup happening in the gaming industry, and there's some really good questions this week. Happy Friday, friends. Another week has come, another week is gone, and I don't know, I'm in a good mood. In a good mood. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. This week was way less exciting than last week, but there's still some really interesting stuff this week, including Bing almost being sold to Apple, kind of, but we'll get into that in just a bit. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Let's just dive into the tech news, shall we? So Windows 11 update is now available, which effectively means Copilot is probably on your machine for or against your will. Microsoft is rolling this update out now. Now it's not going to corporate users yet, but it puts that Copilot button right next to your start button. And it's it's a thing. There's a lot of mixed reviews um, about this. Really, it's ChatGPT plus some Bing flavor. And so if you don't like the Bing flavor, then you're probably not going to like it. But um, it, it's a thing. And it's also, it, it feels... This is my thoughts. Like one, I'm a, I like ChatGPT. I like OpenAI. I, I like this sort of these large language models. I find them fascinating. I find them useful in most for very specific tasks within certain related um, things I'm trying to do. There's a lot of use cases for it. However, it is, in my opinion, not a mainstream tool yet. Like the, the market has to be educated on what GPT can and cannot do. Right now it feels sort of like a, a search engine plus, especially on the desktop. And it, it it's lacking a lot of functionality that I think many of us thought it would have, right? Microsoft should have turn on dark mode and it turns on dark mode and that seems amazing. But if you type in something like open word, it doesn't open word. If you say change a setting, like oh, change Wi-Fi network, like it doesn't, it's not really integrated into windows. It feels much more like Bing chat is slapped inside a frame, shoved to the right side. And that's all that it really is. And that's kind of just what it is, except there's a button on the taskbar. So it's too early to be like, this is not gonna be what Microsoft promised with something that just scratching at the back of my brain. The thing that's scratching at the back of my brain is that Microsoft loves to like shove things out the door and then if they don't catch on quickly, they they move, they pivot real fast, which some would say that's a good business practice. The, the part of me is wondering is like, is this ever truly gonna get the integration we want into Windows? Maybe. Or is it going to become another thing, another a Windows timeline sort of thing? It feels like it's more important than timeline. However, I just want to throw one little question by all of you dear listeners. Having ChatGPT being able to work with inside the world of Windows feels very scary. Here's an example. What if you typed in, change my background to a bunch of sailboats. So ChatGPT or Bing Chat, whatever you want to call it, goes out and gets an image of sailboats and puts it as your background. But rather than using the mechanics inside of Windows to put it as the background, it just writes a hard registry value that says this is your background and basically breaks the OS from allowing you to swap the images. This is a, a kind of a, a, a theoretical possibility, but you can understand the concept of having a ChatGPT being able to interact and manipulate the system files as we know how GPT kind of functions to get that true like, hey, turn on dark mode only on Tuesdays if the sun is setting and it's raining. To like accomplish something like that, it would it'd be pretty complex. And will Windows ever get there? I don't know. I really don't know. It's just sort of a, a right now it feels more of like Microsoft shoving search, GPT, open Bing chat search, whatever you want to call it, onto the desktop for or against your will. And unless you are good at prompt engineering, then you may not get to value out of it. I'm not trying to like write this stuff off. Please don't interpret this negatively. I'm just, 
knowing Microsoft and they love to do this 80% thing where they get it 80% of the way there and then they move on. I hope that's not what we're going to see here. I really hope it's not what we're going to see. So along with this update, Paint Creators is also rolling out another super cool sort of update. I mean, here we are in the year 2023 talking about Microsoft Paint, something I didn't really think we would be talking about. But here we are, it's gotten layers, it's got the, the basically generative background creation. You get 50 credits, uh, something I don't know, and I looked on their blog post, didn't see it initially. I think they're very similar to the credits that you can get on Bing Chat, but you get 50. I don't know how you get more and what the cost is, but either way, this is how you can sort of generate those background images if that's something you wanna do. Again, that is to me a really good and cool and creative way that Microsoft is integrating this stuff into Windows. Like that to me makes more sense than the chat bot that they've got uh, attached to um, the Windows Vista gadget area. If you know that reference, congratulations, your knees probably creak when you stand up. So uh, something else Microsoft quietly did, and I'm not trying to read too much into this, but they have officially killed the ability to use a Windows 7 or Windows 8 key to activate Windows 11. Or up. So you can still upgrade Windows 10 keys to Windows 11 keys, but if you were activating it with these old keys, they're no longer going to work, I believe, starting with the Canary build. Now, the malicious side of my brain is like Microsoft's realizing that there's a ton of Windows 7 keys that are being used to run Windows 11. If we just turn that off and force these people to buy new keys, we would make a lot of money. Um, like, or Windows 12 is coming and Microsoft wants the people to pay for it and not use a Windows 7 key to activate Windows 12. That might be the probable scenario that we're headed towards and like, look, then people got to buy Windows 12, bada bing, bada boom, we'll make some money. Yeah, upgrades will be slow, but we don't care about slow upgrades because Windows is Windows anymore. And that's that. Part of me is also that then the other side of my brain is like Microsoft said they were going to turn this off a long time ago, like 2016 or something like that. It was supposed to, the free upgrade was supposed to expire and they just never did and here we are. Either way, if you've got a really old key like that, it, it may not activate new versions of Windows going forward. So speaking of uh, PCs, by the way, they, according to recent data trends, PC shipments declined in the U.S. by 6%, continuing, continuing a trend that the PC is just having a rough time. Again, I would expect this to happen all the way up until at least a Windows 12 release. That would be the next thing that might boost up sales. But until then, it's probably going to start to just continue on the path that it's on. And there we are. Um, also, Microsoft, I don't think they've confirmed this, but I think it's been pulled out, is that if you are planning to deploy Wi-Fi 7, which candidly, Probably not many of you are. The routers are like, there's an Orbi uh, Netgear setup. I think it's like three mesh points or whatever. It's like two grand. Like normal people aren't doing this. I'm not even on Wi-Fi 6E yet. I'm still on five, whatever. Like I'm in the stone age of Wi-Fi, but it's just, it's Wi-Fi. It either, in my opinion, works or does not work. Either way, <laughs> that's a long way to say. Windows uh, 10 is does not look like it's going to be supporting uh, Wi-Fi 7. So if you're planning to buy Wi-Fi 7 stuff, maybe take that money and buy a Windows 11 laptop or something and then get uh, your routers uh, at another point. Uh, Panos Panay has also been officially announced as leading the device and services team over at Amazon that Bloomberg picked that up and Bloomberg was right, uh, which leads into this next bit. So it was uh, Bloomberg reported that <laughs> Microsoft offered Bing to Apple, like they tried to sell Bing to Apple. So this is coming out, I believe, related to the court case where Google's in court and a lot of it's related to default uh, settings on iOS devices. And the TLDR is that Apple was like, look, Google's just better. And so we don't really want your stuff. But the negotiations, and they, it sounds like they never got too far along, but like uh, Eddie Q, who was leading the stuff, was talking with Microsoft. And the conversation probably went something like this. Microsoft said, hey, look, 
uh, or Apple probably went something like this. Apple said, hey, how much are you going to pay us to make Bing the default search engine on iOS device? And Microsoft came back and said, how much are you going to pay us just to buy Bing? Because we'll give, we'll sell it to you. And uh, they never got anywhere serious. It, Apple running a search engine, like to me, like my, it doesn't feel like something they would get into. That's a massive and very tough business. That's a very tough business. And then Apple to get into that, hmm. I don't know, but obviously they didn't buy it, but just a little anecdotal information there that uh, Microsoft has tried to offload Bing in the past, which makes it more interesting how they're positioning Bing now with GPT. And so maybe Microsoft said, look, Apple's probably one of the only companies on the planet who could buy Bing and uh, yeah, and maybe do something with it. So there you go. On to the gaming news, my friend. Sad news, like, and I'm hoping this isn't going to become a common trend. Epic News, or Epic News, Epic Games uh, said they are laying off 16% of its employees, which equates to like eight to 900 employees, which is a huge swath uh, for Epic. And so that, that I'm hoping we're not going to start to see more layoffs. We've seen what's been happening with other game studios lately, and it's... It's like, are the heydays over and like we're going to get, you know, valuations are going to drop back down. We saw a lot of game studios get snatched up, which really brings up an interesting question for me is did Microsoft enter into the agreement to buy Activision at the absolute peak of the industry? Now, in the future, they could be, it could be valued more. I tend to believe that Microsoft bought its house at the worst time of the market um, and they really came in at the top at that $70 billion, which will close here in probably the next three weeks or something like that. And I still firmly believe that Microsoft want a couple things because someone's going to interpret this negatively. It's not that. Uh, Microsoft will close the transaction. I think that's a, that's a given. I also think that during the next five years or so, Microsoft will actually write down the valuation of this product or this, this division that they're buying, Activision. I, I think they're overpaying personally. I don't see how they're going to justify this $70 billion valuation through a couple different gaming titles. And I, I hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that this is a home run for Microsoft. I don't think it's going to be hurt them. I think it's going to help them grow Game Pass numbers for sure. But to the valuation of $70 billion, that's a lot of dollars, my friends, a lot of dollar dues. So either way, uh, more layoffs, and we're seeing that kind of across the industry a lot in Europe uh, and through all these conglomerates that bought up a bunch of gaming comp studios. And yikes. Uh, the FTC is going to be dragging Microsoft or slash Xbox back into court, and this will be post-acquisition and try to break them up effectively, which is kind of ridiculous. But hey, they've lost a couple times, so they're bringing it back in-house to try this stuff. I don't see, I'm not going to drill into this anymore because I don't think there's, I don't think it's going to go too far. Uh, big news on the PlayStation side. Jim Ryan is set to retire in March of 2024, and he's had a hell of a career. I don't think there's any way other than to say that Sony has done exceptionally well. The PlayStation brand has done extremely well, especially through everything that has happened, right? You can look at the multiple generation launches, the changes in the industry, the changes in the game studios and everything else. And Sony is, the PlayStation is in a wonderful position. And I think Jim Ryan gets a lot of credit for that. And he's going to be retiring in March of 2024. So there's obviously, this is a very planned thing. I wouldn't read too much into it. He's just, he's setting to retire. That's what people do. And so it'll be a new generation coming or new era for PlayStation. And I look forward to seeing like kind of how they try to shape the industry. Uh, other things happening in the gaming side. So instant games are coming to Windows 11. Now this is a gaming news because you'll, what you can do is you can go into the game store or the Microsoft store, find a game, not all games, but certain titles and instantly start playing them. You might be saying, Brad, but Brad, that sounds familiar. 
because it should, because Microsoft already does this with their cloud gaming stuff. And so they're making it, uh, they're building it or built it for the, the Windows Store. That would make a lot of sense. It seems like that's a pretty, pretty good stuff. Also, Microsoft is tweaking how Xbox game DVR is working. If you save your game titles or your screenshots or screenshots, your videos to the Xbox network and not OneDrive, those have a shelf life now of 90 days. So if you find some awesome clip you did or whatever and you're afraid, like, if I lose this, I will, I don't know, I won't be able to feed my family, then make sure you save it elsewhere because it's only going to live there for about 90 90 days as I burp. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to edit that out. We're, we're doing this as is, my friends, as is. So on to the questions of the week, which, as you guys all know, is my favorite part. Kenneth Moody coming in with a long post. I'm going to summarize it here. But really what he's saying is that for most people, Bing is fine. Like most people can just use Bing. But on the journalistic side, most people give Bing a sort of a, a negative grade. And he's like, that kind of grinds my gears a little bit because he's like, Bing is not that bad. And I tend to agree. It's really not. It's Bing is not bad. In my opinion, uh, Bing would just be, it's just average and there's nothing wrong with being average but it's when things are free to use and it's like google is better which i think is most people would agree that bing or google is better than bing it's like well why use bing uh but either way the point is though is that bing as a default and, and this is the point that he's trying to make is that bing is a default on say apple devices probably wouldn't hurt most people's experiences. And I don't, I tend to agree like Bing, I bet if you did like, remember this old Coke, Pepsi blind taste test, although that didn't work out for uh, one of the vendors and you can go read about that, that little fiasco back in the day. Uh, most people probably wouldn't know the difference for most things. The, the problem really is actually habit and perception, right? So if you're a user and you are a mom or pop or whatever kid and, and you know Google and all of a sudden you're getting served Bing, you're going to feel like that's a less of experience or more importantly, one that you're not familiar with, despite the fact that it's nearly identical. And so from a perception thing of Apple, Apple is like, hey, Google will pay us money and this is what people want anyways, then we're going to do it. And so because of that, a lot of the negative like it's turned to Bing because they've always... It's not just Bing that leads to some of this. You got to understand that Bing is the latest iteration. There's been Live, there's been what Windows Live Search, I'm sure MSN Search. Um, there's been a lot of different flavors of Microsoft Search that just haven't done well. And the question is, why haven't they done well? It's because they're fine, but they're not great. And so Microsoft really thought they had a moment with ChatGPT, but really I think what Microsoft is learning is that people are just ingrained in their habits and trying to change habits is exceptionally difficult to do. Oh gosh, I do not know how to pronounce this, but this person pays a lot of attention, so I'm going to try to do this. Gadisnolf says, hey Brad, happy Thursday evening, which is technically correct. I've started to record the podcast late on Thursdays. It is approximately 10.30 p.m. when I am recording this on a Thursday, but you're listening to it on a Friday morning. So, How's your MS Loop experience, Microsoft Loop experience? Is it getting updates since the public release and do you feel like it's shaping up nicely or does it feel like it's going to fit the 80% pattern where it lacks the love and vision and resources? So I've got bad news. Um, I have given up on Microsoft Loop and gone back to Notion. Actually, I might be dumping Notion for there's another product out there called AnyType. So 
let me <laughs> give me all, I'll try not to get on a soapbox here. But Notion is Notion. Most people have a, a rough idea what Notion is. So any type is a, I think it's open source version of Notion. And you can actually export from Notion into any type. And then with any type, it's exact same styling as Notion. However, you are in complete control of your data. You put the data storage medium anywhere. I, I choose, uh, or I chose uh, OneDrive for obvious reasons. And so that is something like if somebody's not into Notion, I would actually recommend probably at this point any type because any type is like 90% Notion, maybe even 92%, whereas Loop is still this 80%. And I'm getting real nervous. I tried Loop for a while. I gave it a real honest effort for a, for longer than I probably should have just syncing notes back and forth between this computer and the one upstairs for doing podcasts like this. And it's the thing, it, it falls into that it's fine, but there's nothing that that kept me in. And every time I got to a point where I'm like, okay, this is good, but then Notion just had more and any type has more. And I'm not saying I won't ever go back to Loop because that is, I would love to use Loop because it would make the most sense for my workflow with inside of Teams, Outlook, OneDrive. Uh, it, it just, it, it should fit the mold. But again, I think you're hitting the nail on the head that this is this 80% thing. And the thing that makes me really interesting here is Loop has been in gestation for a long time, right? This is something Microsoft has been working on for a while. It predates their AI stuff. And I'm hoping slash wondering slash worried that because AI has really absorbed all of Microsoft's engineering capacity, right? It's got to be AI driven. That's Microsoft's future. That Loop is now sitting over here on the side, not getting the attention because AI has now pulled everything over rather than the Loop components, which previous to AI was really the new hotness. And so that has me concerned. Rafiq145 says, hi, did Microsoft stop supporting Android apps on Windows because the Amazon App Store is still pretty empty? No, they still support it. The Windows subsystem for Linux actually just got a pretty big update. However, it doesn't mean apps are coming over, right? They're using the Android App Store. Keep in mind that they're doing that, I believe, for multiple reasons. One, have a relationship with Amazon uh, because the Amazon plus Microsoft is a better Google competitor than either company alone. At the end of the day, I don't think Microsoft can put just vanilla Google apps from the Play Store in. They don't have the agreement to do to do that, and so that's why. I'm sure there are many reasons. I think the Kindle Reader is probably one of them why you would do this. For the most part, though, I have survived not running Android apps on my thing. I will t another edge case that works. I, I don't know. Kindle is probably the best example. There are some IoT apps that work well, like uh, for your controlling your home that are working better through that model than what's in the store. But um, again, the new hotness is AI. It's not getting Android apps on there. So, you know, that's kind of kind of where it is, unfortunately. The Joe Finn, who I actually talked to on the phone this week, uh, says, if you're going to oh, if you're going to buy a new laptop today, what would you get? Also, thoughts on the framework laptop. So there's. Like if I were to buy, honestly, if I were to buy a new laptop and it kind of hurts me to say this a little bit, I would go get the new laptop studio Two for multiple reasons. And none of which are for cost or performance, which is why it kind of hurts me One, I have a laptop studio one and it's fantastic. It is a great device. So laptop studio two is just more performant at the end of the day. However, you pay a premium. So the best way I can describe this is when we remodeled our kitchen, there's two types of refrigerators. There's countertop depth fridges and like standard size fridges. A countertop depth fridge is a scam that I paid for because what it is, it's a refrigerator that's actually 
shorter. It's a smaller fridge, but it's the countertop depth, so it doesn't stick out. So you pay more money for less refrigerator. And that's what you're, with a laptop studio too, you're paying more money for that experience and for that kind of clean hardware, meaning no stickers, no bloatware and that sort of stuff. But you're getting older chips inside for the most part, unless you really spec it out for the top end stuff. Uh, you're going to get, I mean, you can spend $2,000 to get an Iris uh, GPU in there. So the laptop studio too is, I, 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 I like it. Now the framework laptop is super interesting. So if you're not familiar with framework, this is a fully modular laptop. I would actually be pretty interested in it as well, just to see the fit and finish quality. Now the, the TLDR framework is that you can replace any component you can upgrade any component. And so that is the thing I would actually, um, maybe, maybe I would try a framework. I don't know. I'm not, not quite sure if I'm ready to go down that route yet. Cause I'm trying to think like the last time I had, Oh God, I'm going to jinx myself here. I broke, I broke something on a laptop. It's been a while or that I would be willing to upgrade the components. Cause like, like I run Python scripts. I use GPT. I use VS code. I've rendered out some videos on occasion and it's all good enough. I'm not, I'm not willing to spend thousands of dollars more to save 10 seconds on a video render, at least not yet. Uh, the next PC upgrade I will be will actually probably be my primary box, which uh, I'm waiting for at least the next generation of Intel chips. This fall would be the earliest. We'll wait and see. Um, good question, though. Framework is an interesting company, and I hope that they succeed. Mr. PKI dropping three questions into the hopper this week. He says, do you think there's any chance that the Activision acquisition will go through and then they will actually get pulled back apart by the FTC? There's a non, let's put it this way. There's a non-zero chance that happens. I think the chance that that happened is very, very small, mostly because the FTC has been losing this battle uh, against Activision continuously. And they've lost it in federal court. And, and even the steps they're taking today or this week are pretty unprecedented. And so you can't say there's a, a it's a 0% chance because there's in theory, if you're in trial, there's at least a, a fraction of a percent chance that it could happen. I don't personally think it will. Second question, Google podcasts are going away. How are we going to listen to the Sam's report in 2024? Uh, find another app. I don't, actually, didn't they? I think they said they were coming over to YouTube. I think they were going to integrate it into YouTube was potentially an option. Uh, but considering I need to figure this out too. So I host all the podcasts that I do on SoundCloud and SoundCloud's getting expensive. It's like, I think I paid 200 bucks for it for the year, which it maybe isn't expensive, but when there's free solutions out there, I need to look to see if I'm going to migrate away from there. Hopefully, if I do that, nothing should happen for people on the RSS feed. There's too many of you for me to screw that up. I mean, if we're talking, uh, what is the RSS feed subscriber at? Let me, it's like nine-ish thousand, something like that. We should cross 10,000 in 2024. It looks like, you know, the growth is is not hockey shape stick. We've been doing this for a while, but we should cross 10,000 just on audio alone here. Hopefully in the next year, not everybody listens every week. So when people say, cause an average this is way off course, an average Sam's report podcast like this, when you add up YouTube, now YouTube can, can fluctuate like massively. Like I've had this podcast do like two or 3000 plays. And sometimes it's like 20,000 plays on YouTube. But if you take the average of what YouTube does, which is somewhere around like three to 4,000. And then the average of what happens on uh, audio only, it's roughly 10,000, roughly 10,000 is like uh, an average. Like when uh, Ridge reached out, they said, what's your reach? I'm like, like, here's the numbers. Like it's roughly 10,000 uh, an episode. Um, I said, but sometimes you win the lottery and sometimes it's 30 and then sometimes you lose and it's six. Like if I don't know, 
Uh, anyways, that's way off course there. He says, have you noticed that if you put the letter B and S together in this forum, it bans the submitter from posting the question for using bad language? I had no idea about this, Mr. PKI. So every week, if you follow me on Twitter or X or whatever, I tweet out a link to a website where all these questions get posted because I, X does not do a great job of this. Maybe I could start trying. Maybe we'll figure it out. Uh, and apparently putting B and S next to each other for, you know, my initials, but that's not what, how it's commonly interpreted. <laughs> doesn't let the post go through. That's, that's hilarious. Actually. Simon says on first ring daily, which is a podcast I do every morning with Paul Thrupp, uh, you were saying that there's no easy way to add some of your Google devices to HomeKit, even though they are technically matter enabled. Have you looked at HomeBridge? It's an open source system that can run on a Pi or Docker container and that allows non-HomeKit-enabled devices to be used on HomeKit and iOS. I absolutely have. Uh, can I pull this thing out? Well, I've got, okay. I'm, my server, home server boxes, you might be able to hear it, is right here. And I have got I have a Pi Kit or a, a Raspberry Pi in there. That's the original reason I bought it. It works. Um, it, it just, it was flaky at times. And there was a little bit of latency that made it frustrating. And it gets, I get a little, I get a little nervous when I start interjecting these third party things in between something like me and my furnace <laughs> or my air conditioning unit, which I just paid like two years ago to have completely replaced, which was ex stupidly expensive and having something that's not native control them. I'm not saying it broke and I'm not saying it would break for you. And I'm not saying it would break for anybody else. It was just a, my God, we just invested a small fortune to replace these things. And now I've got a Raspberry Pi running it and I don't want these things to get accidentally messed up. So I actually backed out the system and now I have it down to two apps, the Nest app and the HomeKit app. Uh, and I'm, for those who aren't following this at all, I want to get my Nest cameras and my Nest thermostat into the Apple HomeKit app. And technically I think it's supposed to be possible with Matter, but I can't quite get it to work yet. Sydney2K says, happy fall, Brad. Happy fall to you, Sydney2K. So last week, there was a leak of, of confidential documents on one of the topics describes as a new generation of console in 2028 for the Xbox. That is correct. Now, back when the series consoles were launched way back in November of 2020, I recall that you said that the Microsoft technicians were already working on the next console. Back then, we had no idea when the next console would come out. But with the release of these documents, we have a good idea. Now that we have a year, we can qualify the time being spent on working a console of at least eight years or more uh, is possible. If we give this time frame a year or two up from the firm's specs, uh, we might be looking at 12 years to work on a 2028 console had started while the Series S were in development, which brings up the question, how is the development team able to work out what gaming technology is available over a decade ahead to fit out a new console? So, a lot to unpack there. First off, uh, Microsoft not almost immediately starts working on it, but 12 years is probably overselling it a bit. Uh, typically, you gotta remember, it's like, what constitutes I'm working on the next gen console? Well, part of it is, okay, we, we built the series S and X. These are the things we wanted to do that we couldn't and we had to scrap. Put them in, spin up the new file, spin up the new repository, whatever you're working on, and drop these ideas into that box. And then say, look, we're not working on the next console, by bringing these ideas over. That is that is typically what is happening here. Now, the gaming side, that's the really hard part because, or the technology side, because what they do is they go to AMD or their partner and say, look, what are you planning to ship 
like show us your roadmap of theoreticals that you're going to be trying to target and they will show off things. And um, that's when Microsoft can kind of go a la carte and say, this is the type of chip we want. This is the performance we're chasing. These are the certain things. AMD, can you help us do that? Now, the interesting thing about the 2028 console is it may not be an x86 box. There's rumors that it might be ARM. And so if they go ARM, that'll be super interesting because that's a truly custom chip for Microsoft. Not that what AMD didn't isn't a custom chip, but you know you know what I mean? Like ARM is a totally different beast than, okay, we're going to modify a PC chip uh, to fit in the console. So we'll see. Um, I don't quite think they work 12 years potentially on a next-gen console, but they do work quite a while because there's a you got to think about the lead times. Like it's like if you want to ship in 2028, you've got to probably be signed off on your performance specs 2026. And if you want your sign off on your performance specs in 2026, you probably need at least 18 months, if not longer, to talk to work with your partners to say what's theoretically possible, what sort of capacity on a manufacturing line. Like it's a very complex thing to bring something like this to market. And so it is a multi-year journey that all has to line up and so that you can actually just start producing these things. I mean, think about how many decisions have to be made just to get the assembly aligned together and have working prototypes come. Like it's it's mind-boggling. So and last question of the leak week <laughs> comes from Broom Fondle. He says, if I recall correctly, you use AI to generate images for various things, including thumbnails for your YouTube vids. This is true. Are you doing all this online or have you tried something like Stable Diffusion on one of your own computers? So uh, I, I use MidJourney a lot for concepts and creations, just sort of farming things around to try to be as neutral as I can. I pay for Adobe's Firefly. I've been using that quite a bit as well to try to generate images. Um, I have not tried Stable Diffusion yet. I have tried some of the things like Private GPT and the performance has just been kind of garbage. I don't necessarily know if that's GPT or whatever else. It could be my box is just a potato. I only have a 2070 Ti in there. I don't have anything more new than that. And I know that the minimum that you really need for a lot of this stuff is eight gigs of uh, the memory or the video what, VRAM. I think that's what it is. And so that card has just barely enough to try to make it. And so I really need like a 3080 or even better, a 4080, 4090 to really try to run something like that. I am all about trying to do it though. So I like experimenting with that stuff. It's a wonderful question. So there you go, my friends. That, I mean, that, that wraps it up. Like that's, that's the week in a nutshell. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. We will see what happens next week. I can't believe that September is over. We will get a, 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 a Google event, I think next week. And so that will sort of line up the three kind of big tech players. And we'll see what else is going on here ahead of the holiday shopping season. Optimistic that Microsoft's got some bundles or other things coming here for Black Friday and everything else. And so as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscribed here because only BS on this podcast is me.